and with that, welcome back for part two and um, <laughs> the magic of podcasting. Do, 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 do. So I want to talk about infrastructure. Oh, that that magic hand wave you just did was amazing, by the way. I feel like we need the video from that. Um, I want to talk about infrastructure as code. And then I also want to talk about cloud engineer, because this is something unique to Pulumi and how you know they're thinking about the DevOps space. Yeah. Sure. Um, so I, I have a lot of thoughts. There's a reason I came back to, to want to work with Pulumi. And a lot of that is that I've been very interested in and part of the, like I said before, sort of the config management slash infrastructure as code kind of place uh, where we where we are. And a big part is because it made everything so much better for me. And that was one of the things when I worked at Chef, I used to say, I work at Chef because I believe in Chef, not the other way around. I was part of the community. Chef had a big impact in me because I spent 20 years doing things the hard way. And something that's transformational like InfraCode or modern config management, whatever we call it, yeah, it can be really, um, it's sort of taking this thing where like this was awful and now it's magic. And almost to the fact like it's it's funny sort of look now, if if you didn't have those other experiences, this stuff is all now table stakes. Like now we're all, we're just polishing like what's the best kind of InfraCode and what's the best way and let's do this. And it's just like, Oh, wow, just doing something. I used to, but I still think there's a lot of that because people, I talk about it, Pulumi, you know, I say our biggest competitor is Do Nothing Incorporated, which yeah. was our biggest competitor at Chef. When I worked at Chef, people would, I, I would joke, I said, people would say, should I use Chef or Puppet? And I would say, yes, <laughs> right? Yeah. Do something. Yeah. Um, and that, that change and that effect. But the thing is, it's like, if you haven't, like the sort of the, uh, not navel gazing, but like the, the the polish we do in these arguments right now about Terraform versus Pulumi versus this versus CDK versus whatever. It's like, these are all fine points on, but the fact that we can have these arguments is amazing to me because we didn't, If and, and to a lot of folks now, it seems like pedantic and, and like, well, what's the big deal? Like you, you, there's a lot of people that are amazing in this industry that have lived in a world that's always had something like this. Yes. Right? Yeah. I've always had. And I, I think about this too, like uh, when I worked at PagerDuty, I'm going to tell this story very quickly and we'll get back to InfraCode, but I think it's important for us to always remember context. Um, I remember being in onboarding on my first day at PagerDuty and they were telling the story of the company and what PagerDuty was at first. And there were tons of people in my onboarding class that were like, a year out of college that were very new to the industry, which is great. And I love that they were there. But the idea when, when they're describing what the product was that Alex them first created, that was this thing that would alert somebody when there was an outage. It was like, what's the big deal? I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> do you know how amazing this was to me when it existed? Because we deal? used to have to like have Microsoft exchange aliases. You would update manually and send to a BlackBerry and all this crap. So yeah. When we think about InfraCode, though, right? Like the whole point of this is, and I, I feel like we've been calling it infrastructure as code for a long time, and I feel like that's a misnomer. We are building infrastructure using code, but we aren't treating our infrastructure like code, right? Uh -huh. And I think that's sort of the next evolution. And one of the things that excites me with Pulumi is we talk about it, maybe not officially. I don't know that it's like in our official branding, but a lot of us say this. We say it's infrastructure as software. And that's because we're using um, using programming languages and all the constructs and all the things around it, which are really powerful yeah. to build our infrastructure. And 
you have that power. And also if you're already somebody who, like we kind of talked about this, like you may be coming up as a software engineer and you don't know cloud. You don't know AWS. You don't know this stuff, but you know TypeScript, you know Python, you know whatnot. Well, at least you only have to learn one thing now, right? Um, but at the end of the day, I'm just like, I want stuff that lets us focus on our differentiator. And I feel like InfraCode is one of those things that is, uh, it's plumbing. Like it's real important for us to be able to do it. But it's, and this is where it goes into like, how can you use this to then accelerate the value of your organization of the thing that you do, right? You know, we sort of talk about like, you know, why it's, you know, Netflix, it's no problem for them to open source how they deploy software, right? They're not going to open source their recommendation algorithm, you know, but the plumbing, stuff like that, this makes everybody better. And it's not a differentiator in how you do that. It's a differentiator in how it allows you to uh, focus on your value. And the the fact that we live in a place now where we can have so much power, and I've always said this too, I think about the part of the thing for Plumi to me is Plumi is everything I wanted Chef to be. And this goes into cloud stuff a little bit. This is not because Chef was terrible. It was the world was different. If we look at what Chef and Puppet and then Ansible 2 were for was for configuring an operating system. You had a Linux server or a Windows server that you had to configure. So it was all inside of there. Well, we look at things like Terraform or... CDK, Amazon, you know, AWS CDK or Pulumi, they're about configuring cloud resources. So that's a very different story. Right. And honestly, it's a lot easier to create a tool for that. So yeah. I'll, I'll, a great example, people, when I was working with Chef, people would say, how come I can't just point Chef at my Apache server and have it spit out a cookbook? I'm like, do you know how many lines of files there are on that server of config files? There's hundreds of thousands. How does Chef know which of those you care about and which are default and which are whatever? We have no way of knowing. Well, you know what you can do with something like Plumi? You can point it at your AWS infrastructure and it'll spit out a Plumi program that defines it. Because you know what? They're defined APIs that have, and it can know this is the default, this is not. Now, yeah, you're going to have to go and clean it up and there's no such thing as magic despite the gestures that I can do on video. Um, <laughs> but when we're reasoning about cloud resources um, versus an operating system, it gives us a lot of power because it's it's all APIs and uh, and fun fact, in a way, Windows is almost better at this than Linux. This was years ago. Um, Jeffrey Snover was on DevOps Cafe and was talking about why, at the time, automating Windows Server was a lot harder than automating Linux stuff with something like Chef. And the reason is, if you look at the Linux operating system, everything's a file. Well, in Windows, everything's an API. So if it's so, if everything's a file, you can just touch that file and change it. Like Linux as an operating system inherently doesn't have to want to be configured. For Windows, they had to do a lot of work yeah. and make it configurable because the only way to configure it was through APIs that might not be exposed. And again, we can thank distinguished engineer Jeffrey Snover. And if you look at everything he did, this is a fun fact. You want to talk about like being able to predict the future. Sorry, this yes. is definitely not InfoCode, but go back. So no, listeners please. who don't know, Jeffrey is the person who he's, he's the person who invented PowerShell. Fun fact, he talked about this on Twitter recently. He's talked about it before. He actually got a demotion for doing it. Oh my God. Um, it's a great story. But he wrote something years ago before PowerShell was created called the Monad Manifesto. And if you look at it, you'll see the entire thing played out at Microsoft and everything that Jeffrey's done with Windows in a really great way, like desired state configuration, all this stuff. But no, the fun fact, now the detail I might get slightly wrong, but Jeffrey invented, came up with PowerShell. Um, and he wanted to own it. And they said, you are too important to own this product. You're too high in the org chart. We have to give this to someone else. 
And pretty much in order, but he didn't trust anybody. He was afraid it wouldn't follow along with what it needed to do. So he's like, oh, I need to own this. And he took a demotion for Good it. Good for him. I feel like, you know, and it's so it's so timely. Just literally yesterday. Well, and you know, the old rule: <laughs> never date time when you podcast because this will probably come out later. But literally yesterday, we did the PowerShell runtime for Lambda. Like it's not compiling into .NET, and you know, here it is in one of the biggest serverless services in the world because an engineer really driving that stuff. And this is a question I want to ask for both of you because when you were talking about new people coming on board, and it could be anywhere you know, not just at Amazon is I, it's a little easier for me in that naturally I love learning and I love new stuff, but I'm constantly trying to catch myself of, am I just bitter or tired because I did this thing back when? How much of DevOps do you feel like if I've just graduated and now I see all of these tools that are already out there for DevOps and I come in and I see this old guard that looks that looks at me and says, you should be appreciative that you even have X, Y, Z. And I'm like, no, we could be here. Or we could go there. And how much of DevOps is set in people's reluctance to move forward, right? And that just that different way of looking at things. You know? There's a point you made there I just want to say, and I, I want to reflect upon this myself because I know I don't mean it this way, but I also know how it comes out. So you said, you know, you should be grateful that you don't have to, you know, and that is 100% not my intent with telling these stories. I mean, I'll make jokes about it. And I actually have tried really hard. I try to avoid going into the Twitter memes about what programming language did you learn first and everything, because it can feel exclusionary unless unless you can do it in a funny way, then everything's okay. Um, only with programming language jokes, is that true? But it's... But context matters. And there was actually a conversation came up the other day, again, just yesterday, maybe, uh, as far as anybody listening knows, where Chris Nova was talking about you know, some stuff that she found in some deprecations in the latest Kubernetes that caused some issues. And I remember some of the people who worked on the documentation around that said, we talked about that. And there was this big convo. But one of the things that came up was when some of these blog posts were giving the historical context. Why did this happen? And Nova was like, these are great because... It's really helpful to understand the historical context of decisions, but I really think you're right, Dave. Like we need to be careful to not say like, oh, well, you don't know how good you have it, kid. It's more like the reason this happened, this is how things used to be partially because then you understand why a decision might be made. But also that's our best way of not going backwards because I see that there is possibility of that happening because if you don't know, what has happened before, right? What, hey, there's there's a well-worn trope, right? Those who do not know history are doomed to repeat it. You know, those who do not know manual deploys are doomed to create them again, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> God, not on my watch, Maddie. Not on my watch. <laughs> yeah. Um, No, I think this is all, this is all really interesting. I feel like we could talk about this for days. So clearly you need to come back and become a regular guest. Um. It's way easier like to be the lot. guest on the podcast than the host. So, yeah. I know. The blessed Dave. He's the, he's yeah, the this editing actual stuff. Show runner. No. Wait, what? <laughs> I said this editing stuff. Forget about it. No, I, I enjoy doing it. It's all good. <laughs> I just, I, I love the whole thing. You're, you're such a good partner. Um, Maddie, what are you excited about? Like, what do you, what do you think's coming in this space that, that you, makes your heart beat faster? Um, Ooh, skipping your step. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I really think, it is, 
and I, I feel like I've I've probably given the same answer a few years in a row, so maybe that's a problem. But maybe it'll maybe this is finally year of Linux on the desktop kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but no, that's not what I'm excited about. <laughs> I, I think it's seeing how we are moving forward towards a focus on value. I really yeah. do think, and when we, you know, it's like James Governor at you know Red Monk has said, everyone's just trying to recreate Heroku, but I think like we keep getting closer to to getting Heroku. You know, which is uh, having a really great experience for building and creating and, you know, for, you know, creating, deploying, managing software yeah. and services. It's everything is awful, but oh, wow, is it amazing compared to how it used to be, which is what gets me excited is that means it's going to be even more exciting and even more awesome because we we have to keep looking and saying, yes, things are getting in some ways, things are harder and more complex, but the problems we're solving are more interesting because we're moving forward. So I'm, I'm excited just to see what we don't know. And, and, and uh, when we're in the middle of it, we don't see the change. I've seen that. I've seen this with so yeah. many customers of mine who I would work with them and I would leave after a year or two and they'd say, Oh, I wish we had gotten more done. And I said, you, let me tell you what you've done. Yeah. Yeah. You, this you has been amazing, it. but you're in the middle of it. So you don't see the change. That's but awful. if we look back, but I see you once a quarter and I see the needle move. So I think we need to give ourselves that kind of grace, right? And say like, yeah. we've really moved the needle and we're going to keep moving it and it's going to keep moving more. So I'm I'm really excited just to see how we're just going to make it better for more people who don't have to have that background, who don't yeah. have to, you know, who can come into it and just be interested in solving problems and be I able to solve that. those problems. I'm so... um that makes me happy. That's like a that's like such a happy way to end this podcast. So thank you for that, you know, glimmer of hope. <laughs> well, I, I always feel- say I'm always I always have the dissonance between you know my my belief in the collaborative nature of DevOps and my other belief that people are terrible. <laughs> you know, so you know, let me just take a glimmer a, of hope away from you. <laughs> yeah, Matt, you Matt Maddie, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, I find that's been my thing, like my person, one of my personal promises to myself, just what's going on now. And, you know, the past two years is I refuse to give up empathy and I refuse to like harden my heart and get angry. And it's a daily battle sometimes, but I feel like one of the things that always helps me is taking Oh, a higher picture of wh- how fortunate we actually are. And I feel, you know, one of the things you said with, oh, we haven't seen any change. When I remember being a consultant, just going from company to company to company and seeing where other people are. And, you know, that's something both of you see across, you know, the entire field is, you know, it's easy to, to kind of wish you were a little bit further ahead at your own company. But when you look at industry wide, it's, you know, you got to take a step back sometimes and be like, look where we've, we've gone. So I think that's a great way of looking at it. I love it. All right. Well, thank you, Maddie, so much for joining us. I, I really appreciate your time. This has been awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a good time. Thank you.
Okay, and pause. Let me write this down. Twenty-four minutes, and send me that speaking dot Matt and the Maddie. Uh, in the Maddie, I don't have those. Yeah, just hit it, hit it up on. It was so funny, Emily. You weren't there. I was like, because we're talking on the community builders one, and I'm like, I'm gonna add Emily, but the chances of her even knowing that she has an account here are probably nothing. And it was like, there'll be more fun that we can say things, and she won't see it. Wait, did you want me to jump? I dumped it in the chat here. Is that? Oh, funny? it's it's that's, fine. That's okay. You're gonna. You can just like tag, yeah. I'm so bad. didn't say I. I know. There's too many. There's too many. But I but the question is, the question was, right was he correct? Did you actually see the message? No, I did not. See, so there you go. <laughs> I added her like when she first started, and I was like, I'm just adding you to the community builders. <laughs> too many slacks. Eat too many like, slacks is trash. Crazy. Yeah. All right. No, so, I'm sure it's there. Not, not put this in the trash. You, you are trash. Here's here's my here's my plan. I'm gonna be so bad at email that eventually someone gets me an EA, and then they can help me. <laughs> you should, yeah. This is, this then, is like the plan. Did you also have the strategy as a child to just be bad at the dishes so that oh, your parents wouldn't ask you oh, to do it? Maddie, let me talk to you about. I had this thing about the most improved award when I was growing up, and um. This this was a big deal for me. And so I would throw yep. the pretest. I would just bomb it on purpose. And then I'd ace the the post test. I'd be like, see, I'm most improved again. My mom's like, what is wrong with you? You, 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 the Scotty principle must resonate with you very much. The uh under promise and over deliver. Yes, exactly. 